0: Welcome to the Marketing Millennials, the no BS marketing podcast. I'm Daniel Murray, and join me for unfiltered conversations with the brains behind marketing's coolest companies. The one request I tell our guests, stories or it didn't happen. Get ready to turn the up. Silos create so much
1: tension. When I came into Jenny Kane, brand and performance were definitely separate just by the nature of work. But like as soon as we realized that they had to be married for this thing to really scale, like we were all getting on the rocket ship and it was kind of just like a come to Jesus moment where we're like, we've all got a band together, like regardless of whose managers who, because that's how we're gonna scale this thing
0: what's up everybody welcome back to another episode of the marketing millennials we have the head of marketing of my wife's favorite clothing brand jenny canes on the podcast today i wanted to welcome alexa to the podcast and ask her how she got into marketing and we're gonna have such a good conversation excited to chat
1: Hi, so excited to be here Um, Yeah, I am currently the CMO at Jenny Kane. I've been with the brand a little bit over five and a half years. I've definitely grown up in the fashion and e-commerce space. I got my start as a marketing coordinator for a little uh, startup that was a made-to-order dress company called Fame and Partners. I believe they're still around. they have just been uh, moved around ownership a couple of times, but I was one of the first digital hires there and I had just graduated. I majored in public relations at USC and I really didn't like it by the end. And marketing felt like a good enough adjacent pivot. I I liked that I could bring in the similar creative that I admired about PR, but work a lot more with numbers and data and and growth. So that was kind of what piqued my interest. I got my hands dirty really early on with Facebook and Instagram marketing and spent three years at the startup where I really kind of just developed my chops for acquisition marketing, scaling a budget, and a little bit of retention in e-commerce. I then jumped over to Jenny Kane and started there as a digital marketing manager and the past five years have been a super wild ride, growing the company from eight million in revenue to now this year we should do over a hundred and fifty. So every year has been very different. It's been a very dynamic role. Slowly, have my role had has changed over the past five years to now sit over acquisition, retention, and e-commerce, and those are kind of the three main departments feeding up into my role, and generally focused on profitable growth especially this year that seems to be the buzzy war of everyone's throwing around but also just maintaining a, a best-in-class customer experience for our very loyal amazing repeat customers and and continuing to grow our acquisition pile in a meaningful way
0: yeah it's amazing eight to 150 million is no no easy task um, <laughs> but i could see why uh, the product is amazing the brand is amazing so One of the ways you've scaled is creating content that has converted. Could you explain what that actually means at first? And then we can go into like the nitty gritty of like how to create that content, uh, how to like execute that and what brand should be thinking about.
1: When I kind of arrived at Jenny Kane, the team had done such a brilliant job of building this incredible foundation of a brand with, amazing values, an amazing product to support that, and overall an amazing aesthetic. And kind of like the missing piece was someone to come in and present all of that in a way that was going to drive that ultimate conversion on a newly launched e-commerce site. So creating content that converts to me means that you're marrying the brand and performance world in a perfect way that is driving someone to an immediate conversion. So getting much more into the value props, developing testing programs and structures within the org where not just the performance team, but the brand team, the whole company, the product team, is focused on the positioning of products in marketing and how it's going to drive people into that ultimate conversion we're looking for. (laughs) What that's meant for us over the years has really been building out systems and departments that are just very committed to getting this content, whether that's from internal shoots. I'd say like, you know, it's a third of effort towards internal shoots, studio shoots, lifestyle shoots, all of that good stuff, even pickup shoots. A third of it is coming from user-generated content and influencer partnerships, both organic and paid. And then the last third is sort of just our team filling in on the in-between, whether that's our own separate sponsored shoots with influencers or shoots with our founder, Jenny, and just different types of like, you know, the random stuff that comes in the in-between. But we've really been focused on sort of building this content machine where the brand team is owning the conception, the performance team takes it and runs with it, finds the value props, finds the positioning and then we all sort of launch it together across channels and figure out in what part of the funnel something's going to convert the most, that sort of thing. And it's just this become this muscle for us that that we're, we've become so good at where we're constantly cranking out content that we're testing to find what is going to drive the ultimate conversion. So that's been really fun. And that has evolved across channels. So that's not been what started of just being Facebook and Instagram. It's now TikTok. It's now Pinterest, it's now, you know, we're doing that on the email side for the website. And even more recently, offline has become a big channel for us as well. Paid affiliate, paid press, we've started to invest there. So we kind of apply that mindset to all of those channels.
0: When the brand team comes up with a conception, do you say, hey, this is a performance team that would be like, hey, we need some content for these five channels could you come up with concepts that would be great for it or is it they come up with concepts and you decide how you're going to chop it up to make it great for performance how does that like relationship go
1: so it's a little column a, a little column b i think the performance team is usually pretty directional when It feels like there's a hole in terms of like certain content that we want so that it's the performance team bringing the conception to the brand team to execute on in a way that they feel is brand friendly or it's the brand team being like, we'd love to try this. You know, we kind of have an open two way communication. The performance team has that knack and that foundation of what's going to convert but it's good to keep it open line with the brand team because sometimes the performance team might not be anticipating to perform, could perform, which is why we just kind of keep it open-ended and we will throw anything at the wall if both teams are aligned on testing the concept.
0: One thing that I've seen a struggle with a lot of brands is that the conflict between, hey, I want to use brand I would say like fluffy words versus like performance, like trying to, hey, like we need to be more value prop, more direct with our consumers, more like telling a story. So how do you marry that? How does that work with between the teams to make sure that, okay, we got a great, we have good imagery, but we need to rework the copy to make sure that it's conveying the right message to the end user?
1: I mean for us it's always an open conversation but we've reached an understanding where customer experience and revenue and brand experience those are kind of like the top priorities and sometimes the other side has to give a little bit more depending on what the goal of whatever you know is the issue at hand but ultimately I think when it comes to paid paid has a little bit more of a say when it comes to that content, whereas brand has their own channels where they can tell the story that they want to tell. But ultimately we're trying to relate them in a way so that it does bring a cohesive experience and story. It's also just like physician of the funnel dependent. Like if we're doing some type of like brand scaling campaign where we're optimizing for traffic and awareness, we want to put our best foot forward in representing the brand. So we will lean more on the brand team. And then once we have those people on the funnel captured from into the email funnel or captured into our Facebook retargeting, then paid kind of has the opportunity to go in a, and, and attack it in a way that is a, might be a little bit more aggressive than those first couple of touches because we're trying to push them into the conversion, if that makes sense. So it's, it's funnel dependent and channel dependent. But I do really feel like we've worked to make sure both sides understand where the other one is coming from and that at the end of the day, we all are working for a brand that is trying to drive revenue and grow. And everyone has that common understanding.
0: I think that's so important that like, I mean, the first goal, especially when you probably started, the first goal is, hey, we need to scale revenue. Um, So like this, put that as the top line goal. I mean, if we don't have revenue, we can't do these great brand campaigns. I, I bet now like heading to like 150 million, like you can take more risks in brand campaigns because you've scaled, you, you're scaling, but you still have to keep the the foundations of what you did to grow at the beginning. But I think yes, it's good to see that you at, at Jenny Kane, that brand team and paid work very closely together. Cause that, I think see a lot of problems and a lot of orgs where, Brand does their own thing, paid his own thing. There's a lot of conflict between both, and it never ends in a good light when two teams are fighting against each other on what you're doing.
1: Silos create so much tension. When I came into Jenny Kane, brand and performance were definitely separate just by the nature of work, but like as soon as we realized that they had to be married for this thing to really scale, like we were all getting on the rocket ship and it was kind of just like a come to Jesus moment where we're like, we've all got a band together, like regardless of who's managers, who, because that's how we're going to scale this thing. And to have people who understand that and leadership that supports it is so important. And I think a lot of brands will get lost on the fact of like, well, no, they're two different functions. that can't be that close. It's more so like, no, you have to be that close for if you wanna have a successful B 2 c brand that's having meaningful growth year over year and especially profitable growth.
0: How has your content mix changed from 8 million to now like 150 million? Like what is what has like been the biggest change of types of content that you've been trying to scale? Cause I bet like at the beginning, you couldn't do as much influencer campaigns, you couldn't do as much like highly paid things, so you had to be a little bit more scrappier. But now, how is the mix different from when you started to now?
1: I think in the beginning it was so much scrappier, but we've tried to maintain that level of scrappiness because I do think sometimes the best ideas come from parts of the team that you might not expect. But in the beginning, you know, we had everyone on the team from like the VP of digital to our CEO to our copywriter trying to shoot content of like, what is the next hit ad image going to be? We were gifting product to our own team to try and just go out there in the wild to create the type of UGC we were looking for just to have that imagery to test on paid. Now, obviously, that's evolved way more towards like, okay, what influencer can we use that we've worked with in the path that we know could recreate this content? But it's gone from like that very much like, okay, here's what we have from studio and here's how we can stitch it together. We've also changed how we've shoot. So in the beginning, it was very much like, okay, here's what we have from the shoot versus now. It's very much like, okay, performance team, how can we support your content needs from the shoot? Obviously they have other needs that they're feeling like the organic needs, The website needs, et cetera, et cetera. But my team can make requests of, like, we'd really like these types of shots for these hero products because that's content we're trying to have live all of the time and always be testing for that. Or this is going to be a really exciting new launch. We'd love to see it styled four different ways so we could create a video eventually around that. So it's become much more collaborative ahead of the shoots. And then also as we've gotten more budget, as we've built more relationships a heavy chunk is coming from UGC whereas it wasn't before so that's been a big change and then also in the past you know year or two Reels-esque TikTok-esque type content has been a big change you know we have built a pretty big ambassador program that generates organic content for us every month and that's mostly just been still imagery and now trying to leverage that group of people who's like one of our biggest content contributors to try and start bringing in more video and Reels-esque type content has been its own challenge and has been received pretty well, but just like thinking about strategically like, okay, how are we going to ask these people for this type of content? How can we better incentivize them to give us that type of content? Because obviously it's a lot more work on there and, and just thinking about how to shift with the trends and make sure we have our finger on the pulse of, of, of what's working best you know, in the present what would you say
0: are the required elements of what makes good content? So if I was going to say like, hey, I want to make a great piece of content out, what what are the elements that need to be there to create content that converts?
1: For us, a lot of what we've tracked it down to is lifestyle cues and the imagery. You know, having elements of, Like when in our lifestyle imagery, for example, it's like the beautiful setting, the furniture, the kitchen, the girl on the go, like there's just so many different moments you can create. And we feel like when we really get into that moment and the image reflects that, that that innately helps the conversion because someone can kind of see how the product fits into their life through that image. And then from a messaging standpoint, it's the value props. We are constantly testing and retesting and retesting value prompts for our best-selling products. We know what phrase works best for the cashmere cocoon cardigan, which is our you know $40 million style, but that could change at any moment. And as we continue to acquire customers, we're going to eventually have to evolve that messaging to get to the next level and the next level and the next level. And what works for that top tier of customers that we were able to acquire so easily is going to be different for level two that type of thing so constantly iterating testing retrying old creative bringing in new creative that's just sort of been our bread and butter and the key to our playbook is just the constant test and learn when someone has a new idea we're trying it when our growth partners have new ideas we're trying it if something converts really well on email we're seeing how we can put that into ads and vice versa Um, And just really having an open communication around what's working in your world. How can I translate that to my world?
0: I think the one point that I want to go deeper on is taking different parts of the funnel and testing, like if it works on one part of a funnel. So has that been a large part of like how you scaled content to make sure that it works in different parts of the channels that you're hitting the customers on? How have you like scaled this?
1: We still have one particular image that was a hit ad in Facebook and Instagram for what felt like two years that fatigued over there. But that image, if we post on organic social or put it in an email, it's like a surefire way to have a big revenue day. Um, And it's just a random image from, you know, a, a micro influencer. And it's just so funny how that stuff works. But yeah, I mean, we really love cross-channel promotion. It doesn't always work where a hit ad also translates in emails. I'd say maybe it's 50-50, but you have to try it to figure that out. And like, if Organic Social is telling us something's working, we'll try it on the homepage, we'll try it on the product page, we'll try it in an ad, we'll try it wherever else. It's just, I don't know, it just seems to be usually a great conversion driver and also a good test and learn of like okay house interiors content is something that works really well for us on organic social and drives insane engagement whereas we put that in a paid ad and people don't care so just building that playbook of of learning still retesting the theory every now and then just in case something's changed but being able to draw those insights has helped each channel evolve their strategies
0: one thing i also have a question because Jenny Kane has some stores too. So how do you keep the contents fluid between like, okay, there's ads, there's website, and there's also like feel of store. So how do you make sure that all of those are like cohesive and all the omni-channel that you have to make sure that everybody that feels all the brand experience feels the same throughout?
1: The stores do a really incredible job of bringing the Jenny Kane world to life. Like someone like my mom, who is a typical in-store shopper, didn't really understand Jenny Kane as a brand until I got her into the store. She was like, what is this brand? I don't get it. I go on the site. It looks nice, but I don't know if it's for me. And then she went into the store and was able to put herself so much more in the clothing. This was very early on. But I think if anything, the stores almost have a one-up on the e-commerce experience because it's super immersive. You can touch the fabric, feel the quality. E-commerce is so much more of a challenge because customers don't have that opportunity when they're on the e-commerce site. So we've had to iterate and optimize over the years to make sure we're providing as close to that experience as possible and talking to the store managers and associates of like, what are their selling points? That has actually been an incredible ad strategy for us is using what the store associates have outlined as the top, you know, performing value props in their in-person selling. So I think we've actually, if anything, looked more to the store's leadership on how to create that experience through product pages, that sort of thing, through their insights. And then as a, you know, upside to that, as we've scaled our paid marketing. The stores are getting tons of people walking in saying, I saw that cocoon sweater on Facebook and Instagram. Do you have that here? Like, I'm so excited about the sandal. Can I try it on? And we've watched our store business grow with every extra step up and spend. And some of the stores had been there for years and had experienced flat growth. But once we turned on digital... They started to grow along with the e-commerce business, which was, which was really cool. And I think when I started, we had three stores. And then at the end of this year, we're going to have 24 stores. So it, they've also had their own explosive growth, which is really cool. And the stores put the e-commerce imagery up on the TV in there in each individual store. And there's like a collage created every month for them and and talking points. And there's just become... A really good exchange of information. We have an incredible person who sits at the top of that, who really focuses on the flow of information between omnichannel to make sure that everyone's in communication and and there's just like this great knowledge share happening at all times. How do
0: you work with ambassadors and influencers to get? the content you want like is there a brief or is it natural or how does that happen is there a certain type of person you go after like where how do you think about that when getting UGC and influencer type content out there
1: it's evolved over the years but as it stands right now so just for some background how our ambassador program works is you're asked to be in the program You're gifted, you know, two to four items a month that you choose color, size, etc. That's usually a pretty decent offering. Um, You get those items for free and you get a unique code to post. And you'll make a commission on any sales driven on your code in a net 30 days. And in return, they're required to give an organic feed post and an organic story and anything beyond that is obviously great. And of course, we do get more than that because they aren't incentivized to try to make, you know, sales so that they can also lean uh, upside from the partnership. I think each month or maybe every other month, they are sent an updated like brand deck with briefs or like, here are the focuses for this product. Here are the talking points for this product. So there, there is a lot of communication From our ambassador manager that has input from both the brand side and the performance side of like, here's the direction we'd like to steer them in. And then paid kind of uses that as a testing ground where if somebody's content from the ambassador program is performing really well, we test it in ads, it does great. And then we decide we want to do more with them, then we continue a more lucrative paid partnership with them where they're generating more curated content and more handheld content from from our end
0: the ambassador program is a genius idea of having um people create content while you're uh, they probably love the product too so it's like they get free product you get them to create content it's kind of like a win-win partnership and they loving the brand because they're doing it because they love the brand which is makes it even better
1: yeah, totally. And the brand team spends a lot of time vetting these people before we invite someone to be in the program. Like, of course, we cast a wide net and want different types of contact, diverse people, diverse careers, even like just really interesting different types of women who sort of fit and represent the brand well. And the brand team does a lot of that legwork so that they curated this like really great group that's generating very high quality content for us. What is a marketing hill you would die on? Third-party attribution systems aren't worth it and are a waste of time, I think, is my biggest one. I, I go back to that a lot. And then a more positive one, I think, is that testing is is king. If, if there's an argument within the company, creatively, test it.
0: That's the best line, I think, in the world, is just, like, test it. I think so many marketers just say no. And the great part is, like, it could be from the most random part of the company and you can't just be like just because they said that and I'm they're not a marketer we don't try it just try it see if it works if it does it could be fruitful for you so that's the best part about marketing i love like the science and the the testing and experimentation of it and i think people get lost in trying to make perfect and just instead yeah. just put things out there one more question and this is kind of like selfish question but um if i were to let's say get a birthday gift for my wife what is the best jenny kane gifts you would recommend
1: there have been some really good new products the past couple of months are tried and true like the one that i have 10 colors of and just absolutely live in especially in this remote world that we kind of live in now is the cashmere cocoon cardigan. It's our hero product for a reason. It's 100% cashmere. It's so soft. You can wear it open or closed with your yoga pants or over like a beautiful slip dress. It's just, it really can work for anyone in any style and it's just like the most luxe feeling ever. More recently as, you know, I've had summer dinners and events. I've been obsessed with the drift dress which is a really pretty linen dress with a high neck. It's sleeveless, so you're not too hot. And that has been a staple for me. So I'd say those two right now, Drift Dress and Padmere cocoon Cardigan, are just two stellar products I'm excited about.
0: So if anybody listening up, if you need to buy, guys, if you need to buy something for your significant other... Even girls, if you need to buy something um, for yourself or for your significant other, you can go like a Jenny Kane. But thank you so much for joining. Also, where could people find you and what you're doing and follow follow along on your journey?
1: So if you want to check out the site, it's JennyKane.com. I'm on LinkedIn just as Alexa Rotako, also Instagram Alexa Ritaco. Um but LinkedIn is where I'm doing my my businessy thing so yeah would love to connect and and love talking to people in the world about anything marketing so
0: awesome well thank you so much for joining this has been awesome learned a lot and thank you so much thank you thanks so much for listening tune in next week to hear more great insights from marketing's coolest operators if you haven't already please consider subscribing to the marketing millennials podcast and giving it a 5-star rating, it helps bring more marketers into our community.